0: Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. As you're standing, take your Bibles and turn with me to Judges chapter 4. And I'm excited about the Word tonight. And uh, let's read verses 4 through 24 of Judges. We're doing a series entitled The Victorious, and um, we're going to look at a very powerful woman by the name of Deborah and Barak and Jael. Let's, pre- let's read the word. Deborah, a prophetess, a wife of Lipidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She'd held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the high country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak son of Abinoam from Kadesh to Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel commands you, go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River. And give him into your hands. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you, but because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. All the women say, Amen. Amen. That's not in the text. I just threw that in. (laughs) So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. Ten thousand men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendant of Hobab. Moses, his brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zanarim, near Kadesh. When they told Zeserah that Barak, son of Abinohim, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 men, 900 iron chariots and all the men with him from Harashoth Hagoim to the Hishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the men routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harashoth Hagoim. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left, and Sisera, however, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, wife of Heber, the Kenite, Because they were friendly relations between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the clan of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in, don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she put a a covering over him. I'm thirsty, she said. He said, please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her, if someone comes by... And asks you, is there anyone here? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. And Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said. I will show you the man you're looking for." So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the peg, tent pegged through his temple dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the Kenite king, before the Israelites, and the land of the Israelites, the hand of the Israelites grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the Canaanite king, until they destroyed him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word and in the few moments we have remaining in this service may your word bring life to all of us and lord i thank you for your word i thank you holy spirit that you're going to move tonight come on people pray in the holy ghost spirit of the living god come upon me in great power and anointing that i'll have a freedom to preach your word and I'll share the things you laid on my heart, things you want your people to know and understand. I pray tonight, Holy Ghost, you would come upon this congregation. Give us ears to hear, a heart to respond, and eyes to see. I thank you for all you've already done, the testimonies, the tremendous joy of the children and our privilege to see them grow in the knowledge of you, and so now I pray for your people bless them tonight transform us tonight and we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus name amen you may be seated I want to ask you a question how do you face opposition you say well pastor what do you mean opposition no matter who you are will come to you and it may come in one form or another and you say well why is that the case is because there's a real devil who rules our world and we are fallen so we're subject to him by our fallenness. The Bible tells us sin reigns in our mortal bodies and that our job is to put sin to death in us and to allow the spirit of God to make us alive and every time we sin, we become more and more enslaved by Satan. In fact, that's what we find in this situation Israel is under the bondage of Jabin, king of Hazor. Now, what is amazing here, and what I want you to grab onto, is that when you read the book of Judges and you come to Judges 11, 1 through 5, you'll notice that Joshua defeated Jabin, king of Hazor. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, that was many generations before the telling of this story. I know that. The word Jabin was probably a term used for every king of Hazor, much like Pharaoh was a term used for the Egyptian king. And so what we see here is that evil rises again. And you need to understand that. Even in the book of Revelation, it talks about the Antichrist that has had a mortal wound that will rise. Evil will always attempt to rise. If you allow it to, it will enslave you. You say, well, I gave my heart to Jesus years ago. Are you living for Jesus now? Coming to Jesus is not an insurance policy. It is a relationship with the living Lord. Because sin is real, the devil's real, you need to know him and live for him and serve him. And because sin will rise again, we want to be vigilant and persevering. We must continually walk in victory. Everybody say it with me. I must continually. Everybody say continually. Walk in victory. It's not enough to have victory in the past. We thank God for the victory in the past. But God's intention is for us to live a life of victory. Somebody say amen. There will be times when things look real grim. And we see that in this text. If you look at the song that's told, the song of Deborah in chapter 5, which reflects on this story in a unique way. You'll notice that all the village life was disrupted. You see that in verse 7. It was like a concentration camp. You'll notice that Israel had been oppressed for 20 years. 20 years. And Israel had no appropriate weapons to fight against Jabin. There we see in chapter 5, verse 8, Not a shield, not a spear, was among the 40,000 in Israel, it said. The oppressor had a massive army with 900 iron chariots. This was the period of time between the Bronze Age and the Iron Age. And these folks had iron. Now you may not understand what that was, but it would be like a tank in our present military structure, against infantry. That tank can mow them down. These chariots had these blades on the wheels that when they came at you, those blades would be running and they'd slice people up like mad. 900 of them. It put fear in the hearts of all the Israelites. But when we read the story of Deborah and Barak and Jael, it gives us hope. You say, why is that? Because God is at work in our world. Somebody say hallelujah. I said God is at work in our world. First thing you'll notice in this text is the people cried out to God. So I want all of you to turn to your neighbor and say these words. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. I am so thrilled that every morning there are a group of people praying all through Casey. Even when I was in Springfield, Missouri, I got up uh, for some days when I was able to be there for prayer, and it was wonderful to see people praying. They pray a little later than we do. And, uh, but it was sure marvelous to be there. Secondly, God uses people. Everybody say it with me, God uses people. People are important to God and you'll notice that in this story there were three people God specifically used. He used Deborah, Jael, and Barak. Two women and a man. Now what you'll notice is that All of them seemed unlikely candidates to be used. But how many know that God is in the business of using people that other people don't even think he'll ever use? I mean, you take Jael. Who would have ever thought she would kill the general of King Hazor's army? I think about some of the people I've known in my lifetime. They're friends of mine a young man had a dream. It was a dream to see thousands upon thousands of young people flood the world as missionaries. There was no organization that was doing that at the time. And I remember my brother, David, went on the first missionary outreach that this young man did. And they went into the Caribbean. They lived on peanut butter sandwiches. David was an all-star football player, but by the time he finished that summer, he had lost so much weight, the scholarship that waited him at a four-year college was gone because he didn't have any desire to go to that college. He wanted to go to a Christian college, and his whole life was changed. From that moment till today, literally hundreds of, Of thousands of young people have flooded the world in missions, and the largest missions organization was established by that young man. You say, Who in the world was that young man? Lauren Cunningham. And YWAM is a major organization today touching our world. Who would have dreamed it? Who would have thought it? There was a man dying of tuberculosis. He was a Buddhist man in the country of Korea, a young man, but the doctors gave up hope and he was in the hospital and a young lady visited him because somebody asked him, asked her to, and she shared the gospel with this young man. Well, he believed in Christ and Moved from being a Buddhist to a Christian, even though he didn't understand it, and God healed him and touched him. That young man ended up becoming the pastor of the world's largest church, a good friend of mine, his name Cho Yonggi. That church grew to over a million people and is growing today. Unlikely candidates that God would use. One of the most amazing stories I'm sure you've all heard of was a skinny preacher who one day looked at a newspaper and saw and read the story of gang members in New York that had cruelly killed uh, an invalid man. And his heart went out to him, and he felt like God said, go. He went there and disrupted the courtroom even and he had his picture in the paper with his bible in the air and and he thought he'd really blown it but while he was walking on the streets a a, a gang member of the Mau Mau gang his name was Nicky Cruz came up to him and he said you're you're the preacher in the paper with the bible in the air he said yeah that's me and he said, and Nicky said, well, we don't believe in God. And he began to swear and do all kinds. But that young man preached to him, had a big rally. He tells the story of how he, he, he had the gang members be the ushers. He said he had the biggest offering ever. Because the gang member would look down the aisle and look at the guys in the aisle and said, you are going to put some money in this bucket. It was amazing. His name, David Wilkerson, and that was the beginning of a great journey we called Team Challenge that has touched thousands. All of them unlikely people that God used because God uses people. You're the key to whatever happens in our world. God will not bypass you. God will use you if you let him. You can sit on your hind end all day and do nothing. Or you can rise up and say, God, use me. Use me as your vessel. And that's what happened when you look at this story. I sat next to a man on an airplane. He told me of the great need he had financially. He needed $300,000 every day to run his ministry. He was a man who was dying as a boy. God healed him, and God called him to be the world's greatest healing evangelist. His name, Maurel Roberts, and when he sat next to me on a plane as we were flying in Korea, he was on the same board I was on with Dr. Cho, and he, he encouraged me because we didn't need anywhere near that amount of money. Well, at least not then. We do now. (laughs) But what encouraged me was his faith, not only to believe for healing, but his faith to believe for a university to be built where my children went to college and faith to believe for the kingdom of God to advance all over the world. Oh, Roberts. God uses people if we let him use us. But God is doing a work in us personally. And I want to have you see something. You say, why in the world is there opposition? Why do we have to face it? Well, yes, we told you. Yes, there's a devil. Yes, we're fallen. We have a tendency towards sin. But even in that, God can work in us personally. You'll notice in Judges chapter three, verse two, and in Judges chapter three, verse four, He wants us to know how to fight and win. If you never have a fight, you'll never know how to fight. I wrestled in high school. And I remember going to wrestling practice and didn't know how to wrestle. But it wouldn't take me long before I learned how to wrestle because I was going to be a winner. It's the same way with all of us spiritually. You learn how to fight You fight on your knees. You fight with the full armor on. You fight, and you win. God also is looking for us to obey him in Judges 3, 4. It's when you're going through crisis that you really find out if you're going to obey the Lord. I've had people that have gone through situations, and I thought they were strong spiritually, But when they got into those situations, they just did something very stupid. They said, well, I'm gonna quit. I'm I'm gonna give up on God. If I'm going through this, forget it, God. You just want to slap somebody sometime. Why do you think that thing is happening to you? It's so to make you stronger and so you can learn how to obey in the midst of the difficulty you're having. And if you will obey God, will bless you. But fourthly, not only does God answer prayer and God uses people and God is doing a work in us personally, but fourthly, God chooses us for a specific task and purpose and gives us the appropriate empowerment. Think about Deborah. There was nobody in the Old Testament up to this point that was like Deborah. She was first off a woman. Secondly, she was a mother, a married woman. And she still was a judge that made leadership decisions for the entire nation. And finally, she was a prophetess. She had the anointing. You think about all of that. How God anoints people. He chooses He chooses Deborah. He chooses Barak. Deborah gives a prophetic word and says, God commands you, Barak, to go and take an army and do this and do it now. He obeyed her. Are you still with me? God gives Jael an unusual opportunity. A general comes to her tent and she could have just allowed it to go by. She wasn't even an Israelite. But she understood the moment and the time. This was time for victory. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit to flood our lives. We need to know the power of God to empower us. Think about it for a moment. How wonderful it is that God empowers us. You'll also know something that Barack speaks To us, in a special way, to give us an understanding of what we need to be like in the midst of our battles. First thing you'll notice about Barak is he walked humbly, realizing his own inadequacies, not worrying who gets the credit. He didn't care if Jael killed Sisera, he was going to walk humbly. Secondly, you know that he needed God's presence. And it was symbolized by Deborah going with him, for she had the word of the Lord. When you read this text, you'll notice how similar it is to the text there in Exodus, when God said, when Moses said to God, he said, look, he said, if if thy presence will not go up with me, Do not carry us from here. And what is so interesting, if you compare the response of God and the response of Deborah, they're extremely similar. Both God's response and Deborah's response were alike. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. What literally Barak was asking is, I need God's presence with us in this battle. One of the most important things we see as well about Barak is he knew he needed to be encouraged. We all need the Deborahs in our life who encourage our faith. Are you aware that when you read Hebrews chapter 11, Deborah's not mentioned in the heroes of faith? Guess who's mentioned? Barak. And Deborah's job was to encourage him. Why do you think we have church? Why do you think we're here? Oh, well, because Pastor Morocco needs a job. Hello. I don't do this for a job. This is life to me. I didn't leave a large church to come to a small church because I needed a job. Why are we here? You know what we all need? We all need to be encouraged. We all need to hear the word of the Lord. We all need a community of faith that encourages us every day. And it makes me mad when things try to stop the work of God's church in our world. That's why I get so upset over people that are so afraid that they're even unwilling to be even close to the church. I'm thankful for people that are online. But I must say it again if you go to Costco, if you go to Target, and if you go to work, you ought to come to the house of the Lord. Amen. And if you're afraid of being in this building with all our purifiers and all the sanitation and all the seats apart, you're afraid of that. You can be in the parking lot. And I'm happy with that. I was out in the parking lot this morning. Boy, they were eating breakfast in their car. I said, I think I'm going to join you. (laughs) They come in pajamas. It's great. I say, hallelujah. But don't you use that excuse. I'm afraid of COVID. I'm not minimizing COVID. It's killed some of my friends. But I am not going to limit the church of Jesus Christ because of a demonic attack upon our nation. So I'm thankful you're here, masks and all. If you need me to spray you down with some kind of sanitizer, I'll do that too. I've done everything I know to do to allow this church to be open. Because you say, why? It's not simply because I need a place to preach. It's because we all need to be encouraged in our faith so that we can stand strong in this evil day. Barack speaks to us of that. Deborah encouraged his faith and he became a part of the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11. But the sixth thing is God fights on behalf of Barak. If you'll read the song of Deborah in chapter 5, you'll notice something very interesting starting at verse 19. It says, It says, Kings came, they fought the kings of Cain and fought. At Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo, but they carried off no silver, no plunder. From the heavens, the stars fought. From the courses, they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept them away. And the age old river, the river Kishon, march on, my soul, be strong. Then thundering the horses' roofs, galloping, galloping go the mighty steeds. You say, What's that about? Well, when those 10,000 men came down from Mount Tabor, and all you got to do is see Mount Tabor, when you go to Israel with me, you'll see it, and you come down that mountain. There's the Kishon Valley there and the Kishon River. And all of those 900 chariots weren't ready for what God was about to do. He poured a thunderstorm with lightning. Those chariots got stuck in the mud. They were worthless, and Israel defeated that army of Sisera. God will fight on your behalf. He's called on you to be victorious. That brings me to the final thing. Let's review. God answers prayer. Everybody say it with me God answers, God answers prayer. Secondly, God uses people. He can use you. Thirdly, God is doing a work in us personally. He really is. He wants us to know how to fight to win. He's looking for us to obey Him. Fourthly, God chooses us for a specific task and purpose. And gives us the appropriate empowerment to do what he's called us to do. You can do anything with Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. You think it's easy for me to pastor a church that is growing so quickly all over the world? And to preach as many times as I preached, especially this last week, from one place to the next for an entire week and a half? And I oftentimes will say, God, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And my wife says the same thing, you can't do this, I can't do this. And we're all saying, I can't do this! And then the Holy Ghost speaks to us and says, you can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens you? I'm sorry, that's right, I can do all things. Through Christ. It's not me anyways. It's him working in me and he gets all the glory, honor, and praise. Give him praise in the house tonight. Fifth thing is Barack speaks to us of one who walked humbly realizing his own inadequacies and was not worrying who got the credit. He knew he needed God's presence symbolized by Deborah. And thirdly, We all need the Deborahs who encourage our faith. Six, God fights on our behalf, on the behalf of Barak. He does supernatural things to bring victory into our lives. And finally, God's ways are not our ways. Always remember that. You need his strategy. Look at the things we've already talked about. With Hezekiah, he faced an army he could not win against. Sennacherib who had destroyed all the cities as he came up to Jerusalem. A fierce and cruel people, the Assyrians. But in one moment, God released one angel that killed 185,000 Assyrians. And they retreated, as the word of the Lord said. And Sennacherib himself was killed by his own sons. You think about Goliath, the greatest warrior the Philistines had was killed by a boy with a slingshot. Only God can do that. Thirdly, we thought of Gideon, who was facing 135,000 Midianites. And God gave him an army of 300 with a torch, a trumpet, and a shout. And they stood and watched as God defeated the Midianites. And here you have the story of two women and a man All unlikely, but God used them. God's ways are not our ways. Don't just get in the rut and think this is always the way it's going to work. You seek the Lord. You get a word from God. And God will bring about what he has his purpose to do in your life if you seek him. Let me ask you one question as we close. Where is your confidence you know, it's interesting when you look at this story, the confidence of Sisera and the king, and Jabin, king of Hazor, was in his 900 chariots. But there's a psalm, Psalm 20, verse 7 Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. I think I'm going to go that direction. And that's exactly what took place in this story. The Canaanites' confidence was an illusion, as many in the world have. They think, if I only have enough money, if I can just only get that particular job, if I can only marry that person, ah, everything's going to be wonderful. It's an illusion. If you don't know the Lord, all the rest is an illusion. But if you will seek the Lord with all your heart, as we see taking place in this story, God will make you victorious. Stand to your feet. Lift both hands in the air and let's praise him. Father, we come with praise and adoration tonight, thanking you for everything you have said to us in this story. It's your intention over and over again to give us victory in every aspect of our lives. I thank you for what you did through the missions team. I thank you for what you're doing in our children's ministry, how we were so blessed by the joy and gladness of these children. Lord, make us like children that trust you and love you and serve you and rejoice in your goodness. Lord, I'm asking tonight you'll draw all of us to the knowledge of yourself. May no one go to hell from Maui. Somehow God used this church to draw people to yourself. I just feel like we need to make a commitment to Christ afresh. How many of you realize that Maybe you just need to make a new commitment of your life to Christ tonight. Let me see your hand. Just lift it up high. Yes, yes, yes. So many, all of us. We get so caught up with our own needs and what we want, and sin finds a path into our lives. We thought, well, we've defeated the devil. Yeah, we defeated him there. But we need the Lord every day of our lives to defeat him tomorrow and tomorrow. And tomorrow, God's teaching us to walk in his ways. I want everyone in this house. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.